Welcome to the Tips for Your Twenties podcast. My name is Becca and we are here today to talk about all things finance. I'm joined by the wonderful Ola, who has a business called All Things Money. She talks about personal finance as well as tips and information on how to manage your finances. In today's episode, we do a dive into what good income looks like, how we can have fun in our 20s but still save at the same time, what investing is and how we can invest for only a small sum of money now, as well as tips and tricks for managing money in your 20s. If you enjoyed today's episode, please give it a follow and share the podcast with anyone else you might also think will enjoy. Thank you, but for now, let's talk all things money. Welcome to the podcast, Ola. Thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to chat all things money literally today. (laughs) So am I. I think money is such a taboo topic to talk about actually Mm. in your 20s and something that I want to spread the awareness of for anybody who might be struggling or wanting some advice on how to save. And you are the perfect person to be talking to. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. I'm looking forward to it. Amazing. Let's get cracking straight away. And can you tell me a little bit about you and your experience with finance and money and where it all began? Yes. So I'm Ola, I'm 25 and I'm the founder of All Things Money, which is a personal finance platform that teaches young adults how to manage their finances. So I cover everything we're not taught about at school, because I'm sure many people listening will relate to the fact that they don't really get many lessons about money or finance in school. So, yeah, kind of built it to teach people everything from budgeting, saving to credit cards, mortgages, everything else in between. And I started it in 2020, fun time called the pandemic, um, where I finished university very early because obviously all my exams got cancelled, graduation got cancelled, it was a rough time. Um, and I found myself with a lot of free time during this lockdown. So yeah, I've always kind of been like a budgeter, saver type person. Apparently I'm the cheap friend out of my friends. I call me all stingy, which is cool. I I'm all right with that. And yeah, I kind of taught myself how to invest in the first lockdown and I got some of my friends investing as well. And I was like, okay, if I can get some of my friends on board with investing, every other adult in the UK and further needs to learn how to invest their own money as well, which is why I started sharing tips on Instagram first off to help people just feel more confident about managing their finances, just teach them anything we weren't talking about in school. And now we're an online community of over 23,000 people, have a podcast, have done workshops, got a live event coming up soon. Um, so yeah, it's kind of growing massively. <laughs> Congratulations. It honestly sounds like you're absolutely smashing it. So Thank and, you. And 2020, that wasn't long ago. This is no. great. <laughs> Yeah, it has. I mean, people are always like, how did it begin? Like, was this your intention? And honestly, no. I had a one-way flight but to Australia, so I was meant to move to Australia. So all things money was never really like a thought or an idea. Or was it, Even when I started, it wasn't ever going to be a business as such. Like, people would always say, like, oh, would you do this full-time? And I'll go, mm, not really, because I don't mind my job. Um, but I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And yeah, now it's my full time job and it keeps me very busy. <laughs> what specifically about money interested you in talking about that? Because there's so many different things that you could you could be talking mm-hmm. about or start an Instagram about. And I've had people on the podcast already when it's like specifically talking about reading or careers. Yes. What brought you to talk want to talk about money? I think first of all, it's a taboo. There isn't many. Well, there wasn't at the time many young females that are talking about money that are relatable and 
are speaking about money jargon free online. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to do this. And I think like when I started, I then, because a lot of it was all self-taught and I studied business management, let alone someone who didn't study that at university. I knew I didn't know enough. And I was like, I really want people to feel like because there's a huge gap between sixth form and uni and then uni and adulthood and I was like there's nothing that really fills in that gap that allows you to feel empowered about your finances and I was like I want to all things might be that go-to bible or go-to platform to know that if you have any questions from literally as simple as budgeting to literally buying a house I want to be able to provide that content and hopefully it's done that so far. It does look amazing. I was only checking it out again today and <laughs> provides so much valuable information. I really, really love how you're 25 as well, because the only people I can think that have ever given me advice about money have been my parents, grandparents. Yeah. And a lot of the information and advice they're given is is quite safe. And I say that from mm. a point of like traditional views or yes. that are a little bit outdated. Um, and so it's been quite hard growing up with those traditional views to understand what I do with my money, how I can save, what my mm-hmm. income is, and also talking and sharing your money issues if you've ever had them. Yes. It's, it's always kept very quiet. Yeah. That one? Yeah, very hush-hush. I think a lot of people can relate that, you know, if they ever, let's say, basically money's never been a topic you just sit around dinner and just chat to your parents about like oh like, how much do you earn or how much are you investing or how much do you save every month or do you have any debt like those aren't questions that come out of people's mouths around the dinner table let alone with your friends and people outside of your immediate circles so yeah I think you know stigma around talking about money needs to be removed but hopefully I think now there's more creators like me that are doing this I'm able to kind of show that more, I don't want to say untraditional view, more unconventional, no, not unconventional, I don't think that's the right word, but I think more open views, more topical views and kind of, you know, a lot of people or a lot of parents or grandparents will say get um, get premium bonds rather than invest in the stock market. Those are the kind of, those are the kind of tips of advice you get. Whereas now it's kind of, you know, there's so many apps and platforms that allow you now to invest openly and easily, which a lot of, you know, our grandparents or parents didn't have growing up, you know, investing was just for the rich, where it's not so much the case anymore. So yeah, I think hopefully being a young person, I can kind of share that to other young people and find that and they find that relatable. Absolutely. Because a lot of those traditional views, there's nothing wrong with them. As time has gone on, there's so many more ways that you can make money and more things to spend money on and investments. Mm -hmm. And I just think that possibly our parents, grandparents just aren't aware of those. And so they've just what they're used to. Um, On TikTok, I've seen quite a lot of and I don't know if you've seen this too, going up to people in the in the street and asking them how much money they're on. And it's been really interesting yes. to see people's responses. And I feel like that's actually been a really nice shift of people becoming mm. open about how much they're earning and in the careers that they're doing, which brings yeah. me to uh, my sort of first topic, which is all about income. And yeah, what point are we in control of how much money comes into our bank accounts that's a good question I think so I think two different answers for two different people so if you're in university you're just going to be giving your money and um, your student loan you're in control of your finances then and when you've got your first job you're in control of your income then I think 
you know, a lot of us are more in control of our finance than we realise. I think a lot of people get given their money and they're like, oh, I don't know what to do with it. Or Because I think when you get your first paycheck, especially, you're just very overwhelmed. But like, firstly, you have the, the numbers on your payslip, the jargon on that. And then also what you have to do with it, whether or not you're renting. I think people still feel that same sense of overwhelm. So, yeah, I think you're in control of your finances from the day, like from the minute you have your own bank account. So, you know, my first ever bank account was when I was 11 years old at Barclays. Um, and I, I went to boarding school, so I got given pocket money that I had to manage. So, yeah, I think it kind of ranges from when you ever had your first um, bank account and when you were first given your pocket money, I guess. Absolutely. And I think everybody is at different stages with that. Because I remember during university, I would get given money from my parents and I would mm. also get given um, a student loan. But my student loan didn't cover my rent and things like that. Yes. So I had quite a tough time managing money, whereas I had friends who had a student loan, but their parents were actually in control of that and gave them sort of like an allowance every mm. month. And I don't know what the best way is, if I'm honest. I don't know yeah. what it, whether drip feeding somebody money every month or every week or having it all at once. I don't know what the best sort of outcome or solution is for that so that you you then know how to manage your money a lot better. But yeah, yeah, that's something we can talk about a little bit more with sort of university and, and things like that. Yes. Universities are a hard time to, for managing mm-hmm. money. But what is a good income so if somebody goes into their first job what's a good income would you say that they should have because when you first get your you know first full-time job you might Mm. look at your payslip and you might be earning a grand less than your friend and then you might think actually I'm not doing very well what yeah yeah that's a hard question and you know when I when running this platform I've learned that people really like to know the specifics like how much should I have in my savings account how much should I be investing and sadly personal finance is personal to you so I can't really say what the perfect amount of income is for you because only you know your personal situation so when I first came out of you well when I first came out of uni one of my first jobs was like 19 grand which compared to all my friends was literally a laughable wage but for me I lived at home so I was still I had still maybe double the amount of disposable income they might have had and they had nearly double like nearly double my income so I do think it depends on your circumstances however that being said the office for national statistics um mentioned stated last year end of last year that the average salary um across the UK is around 33,000 pounds so I guess take that as what you will you know when you're coming out of university or you're looking for your first time job if that's a figure you want to aim for amazing but if you're maybe living in London that might not cover it if you're paying rent but if you live maybe up north where rent might be cheaper or if you live at home, that might be plenty of money. So, again, I think it's all about your personal circumstances. Um, and yet, if I, was, if I had a salary of 33 grand when I came out of uni, I would have been laughing because that would have been a lot of money for me personally. So Definitely. And you have to start somewhere. I think you can't yeah. have to come out of university and jump straight onto a 70 grand salary. You have to be realistic with what you're going into and everybody's. Yeah pathway is going to be different and also your expectations some people are going to be happy on 19 grand which is absolutely yeah. fine and if, if that's what makes you happy and you know you live quite a carefree lifestyle with not many outgoings that's mm. absolutely fine but on the other yeah. end, if you're somebody that wants more money you might need to be having a think about what you need to do to make that money and yeah you sort of know your worth and, and where you stand in your career because if you're if you're sitting there complaining that you're not making enough money you need to do something about it it's not going to come to yeah. you that's money yeah. doesn't come to you you have to earn it and you mm-hmm. have to go out and, and try and find that 
Um, yeah, and I guess that before you kind of like go into like the next question, I think what I find really interesting as well, or what I've learned actually, not like I'm like in my thirties giving tips to twenties, but I mean in the thick of my twenties now, I've learned that comparing to your friends really doesn't help you know it's very easy to say oh my friends renting in London or my friends on like 100 grand well I mean you know we can't all be our friends so I think what you've really got to learn is what works best for you what do you want in your career or what is a healthy enough salary for you to live off and go from that and block out the noise that all your friends might be screaming about because I know friends that are maybe only 100 grand but hate their jobs you know or I've got friends that are on like 35 grand and absolutely love the job they go and they and they do they go into work every day with a smile on their face so again you can't compare and I think when it comes to money a lot of people like to base salary as a huge huge metric of success and I don't think that is the best value to place on yourself especially when you're navigating your 20s because your career probably changed 50 times between now and the time you um, retire so yeah completely agree it's what you prioritize your money on as well so Mm. you may you may be happy to spend three grand on rent living in London and then you know that's then you're going to have less disposable income but on the other you might say well actually I really value spending time outside um or going to the gym or spending it Mm -hmm. on water sport you know those sorts of things so you're going to pay less on rent so that you can then prioritize your money in a different area yeah like you say comparing is not going to help you at all because you could be on the same salary but absolutely miserable doing yeah you don't want to be doing the grass isn't always greener on the other side and you have to sort of figure out what it is that you want as well um and yeah. then for it. and talking about that sort of disposable income sometimes at the especially if you get a pay rise or something's changed in your life which has meant that you've got more money managing mm. the disposable income that you have can be really really difficult how can you when you've had a big change in your salary manage your income so that you are not just getting yourself into debt at the end of the month yeah yeah so that's a really really good question I think it all comes down to a budget and now everyone always rolls their eyes at the thought of a budget and they think it's boring they think it's difficult but honestly a budget sets the um, basis for everything so you know working out what your income is and what your outgoings are and let's say you've had a huge change of circumstance you won't know what your change of um you don't know what has changed until you've actually sat down with your finances because you might have lost your job but you might actually still be able to afford x amount of months to live off because you have savings so you need to work out what you actually have coming in and what's going out and then you know if you do have disposable income to live off despite your change then amazing but you might also find out that you're not in the best possible position because of X, Y, Z. So, and then seeing that allows you to then reassess your um, situation, be like, okay, I might be short of X amount. How can I get X amount? So that might be, you know, creating a side hustle or getting an extra part-time job, et cetera, et cetera. But you can't really put those place um, systems in place until you know how much you're short by or how comfortable you are. Um, so yeah, it all comes down to having a budget. Completely. Sometimes as well, um, I've found in the past, I think that I've got more of a disposable income than I actually do. And it's only yeah. then, like you say, doing a spreadsheet where you can look at your incomes and outgoings that you go, oh God, I actually spend more money on food than I think. Or yeah. I forgot that I have to pay pet insurance every month. Those sorts mm-hmm. of things that are small, they really build up. Yeah. At the beginning of the month, you're like, great, I've got a lump of money to spend. I'm going to go and spend it on clothes and mm-hmm. things, which is what I sometimes do. 
And then I go, oh God, I forgot about that outgoing. And it's having that yeah. spreadsheet that really helps you to keep on track and updating it regularly because, oh, I hate to say, it, but you know, the cost, the inflation, everything going mm. up, you can't have one spreadsheet for five years. Things change and your circumstances no. changes and there's going to be things yeah. that come in and out. You know, the cost of your car might go up, fuel goes up. It's horrible to talk about, but it's realistic, isn't it? Yeah, that- it is. Yeah, it is just times we're living in at the moment, sadly. But yeah, I think as well, like, just just even knowing your financial situation because there's so many people I speak to and they're like I want to save this amount or I want to say I want to invest but I'm like okay but how much can you how can much how much can you afford to save or how much can you afford to invest and they can't give me an answer so there's something about financially empowering knowing where you stand financially and you know then you can be like oh actually I realize I've got maybe a little bit more than I thought I had so maybe I might have 50 pounds extra to invest in the stock market or maybe I actually do have an extra 100 pounds to go towards my future holiday you know you never know so I think there's something great about knowing that you have x amount or just knowing where you stand financially um and also I think it goes with saying as well that a budget doesn't have to be restrictive like a budget can change every single month or every single week if you need to because you know we can't like we said we can't predict the future and you don't know what outgoings are coming in or um, going sometimes because things change you know loads of subscription services are increasing their prices at the moment so yeah it's always good to remember that you know your budget can change and it's okay if it changes and it's okay if you don't always stick to it either because I feel like some people punish themselves because they might not be great at staying within budget there's nothing worse though than that feeling when you have let's say 300 pounds left over at the end of the month you put 250 pounds into your savings and then you find yourself taking money out from your savings into your main account and I think you have that's when you have to be so realistic with yourself going can I actually save this what is my Mm. income that I can spend on whatever I want and what needs to go into savings because yeah I've been in that situation where I'm like I love seeing my savings go up but come on let's be realistic if I I have to live during the time and I don't feeling 50 pounds out into your main account every every day because you haven't been realistic with yourself yeah yeah no exactly that when when we spend money and this goes back to university um a lot of people might have the attitude of I just really want to have a good time but I feel restricted with the money that I have how how can we continue to have a good time whilst also being on a budget that's a good question I think Firstly, again, finding out what your situation is financially and how much you can actually afford to spend at uni. And I think uni is really hard because you want to try and balance a good social life, have the best time of your life. You know, everyone says that all the time, but then also being realistic and sticking within your budget. So I think it's good to work out how much you can afford to spend and then also being realistic with yourself and being like, okay, this is how much you can afford to spend um, and having that honest conversation with your friends because it's all good and well, like, you know, like, like we've touched on everyone had very di- has different situations in university so I had a full maintenance loan but didn't necessarily have a huge amount of um, extra income coming elsewhere so I had to solely rely on my maintenance whereas other people had maybe parents gifting their money etc etc so it's good to find out where your friends are at as well because then you can you can plan around low cost activities maybe or you might think okay guys we're all in the same boat let's maybe just not go out tonight or xyz i think all comes down to having honest conversations with your friends um, and also having low cost activity alternatives so like dinners in like as a group doing that or you know when it's in the summer we used to have like barbecues out in the like in the fields which were always good and you know there's so many other low cost activities you can kind of take advantage of i think people often overlook 
Um, and honestly, like now that I've finished junior, I'd do anything just to be sitting on a field for free with my friends. <laughs> Literally, yeah, without without all of the expenses that you have to pay on a on a month. Yeah, yeah. I no, I couldn't and I and I go back to what I said about sort of those smaller items building up that you do have to sit and think, do I go out every weekend and splash hundreds of pounds which you can do when you've had a drink Mm -hmm. or do I actually say right what do I want to do in the month and then save up for that or put some money yeah I used to in uni um a a few of us girls we'd get money out of the actual bank and pay in cash and then we'd have like 20 pounds and see how long it would last yeah 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 that's literally what I did so and I'm glad you touched on that because that's something I did at uni and but in my first year so oh throughout uni I gave myself a weekly budget so I had like a budget I would stick to every week religiously um and first year it was just cash so I used to spend cash only for my weekly budget because again it makes it more painful to spend that money especially if you like you used to go to the library or your lectures maybe went so close to lunch you might just buy lunch out and I remember like having time it was like 50 pound a week I don't know how I lived off that but so like five ten pound notes and I'd see it and I'd be like well this has got to last me it's got to last me my sports night and my like night out in the um, student union on Saturday so I was like so I'm just gonna do my make my food shopping and the rest has to just last me so that really helped and then um forward to um second year then use Monzo and again the same kind of rule applied that I would only go out with my Monzo card and again that just allowed you to still be sociable absolutely because I was very very social at university but it made meant that if I wanted to go out on the weekend then I'd reduce my spending Monday to Friday just so I knew I could afford a night out on the weekend because realistically I mean as much as I did it in first year when it got to second and third year I didn't need to be going out like Monday Tuesday Wednesday Thursday <laughs> so it is it is a hard time and I like to be really honest in these podcast episodes and I wasn't very well educated on my mm. draft throughout my whole uni uni days. So when I first started, I remember going to HSBC. Um, oh no, sorry, it was Santander and getting the um my my card with them, and they gave me a free rail card. I think for oh, yes, well. yeah, and I That's had it. unarranged uh, sorry an arranged overdraft of fifteen hundred pounds. By the end of university, I'd maxed that and I had spent mm. all of my money and I think a lot of people were also in that situation or might yeah. be in that situation now and it felt horrific at the time mm. but I didn't understand fully what an overdraft was so yeah can you touch on a little bit about how that actually works for anybody that's interested in taking out a card that has whether that's credit um mm. on, a, on a credit card after university or a student card yeah good question so when we talk about overdrafts, an overdraft is is if you're talking about an arranged overdraft, that means that you can overspend the amount of money you have in your bank account. So let's say you have £100 in your bank account and you're maybe in Primark and your shopping's £120. Your arranged overdraft will allow you to spend that extra £20. But that £20 you spent over doesn't mean it's free money. It's money that you've borrowed from the bank to facilitate that shop. Now, like you just mentioned, you had an um, overdraft. Lots of people take out overdrafts at university. I had an interest-free one as well. Um, I think that's why a lot of people do have an um, overdraft at uni because it is interest-free whilst you're studying. So you can take advantage of it if you know how to use it wisely. So, yeah, it's about remembering it's not free money and knowing that you have to pay it back. And I think think a lot of people, and there's nothing wrong with having to borrow money sometimes, um, I think a lot of people have had to use their overdraft at uni. But I think the issue is, is that 
maybe their overdraft facility is quite is too large for them to manage so let's say 1500 pounds people had 3000 pound overdraft like yeah. that limit is crazy um especially if you've never borrowed money before so yeah i think banks probably need to do a better job of teaching young adults how that kind of works and just also us young adults remember that it isn't free cash and um, now when we talk about credit cards credit cards are slightly different in the fact that you are spending the bank's money on a separate bank, um, separate card. So you've got your debit card, which is money that you have, and then your credit card is money you're borrowing from the bank. So again, it's not free money. And um, there is interest on that credit card as well if you don't pay it off in full every month. So I think the average um, credit um, card interest rate is around like 30%. So that means if one month you spent £100 and you don't pay it off in full the next month, you'd be charged 30%, which is £30, just for borrowing that £100. So again, you can use credit wisely and responsibly by paying your credit credit card off in full every month and you would never have to pay interest. But sometimes not everyone has systems in place that allows them to do that or can afford to pay off their credit card in full. So yeah, again, it's really important to remember the different dangers associated with borrowing money. Absolutely. And there, there are benefits to having credit and you... Mm improve your credit score and it looks good yeah. to pay your money back but it's about understanding what you're getting yourself into before yes. you take that card and that's something I didn't understand with my Santander bank account I remember sitting in a room and just nodding saying yes but not taking in any of the information so when I came mm. out of university felt like I had a weight on me because I was like yeah. I have this 1500 pounds how am I going to pay that back and I will actually explain what I did because I think it's really important that if you're in a situation like yeah. that was that you don't let it consume you. It, it does feel like it's a lot, but you have to. Number one, the first thing that I did is I spoke to my bank and explained the current situation that I was in. So I qualified as a primary school teacher. I told them that I was going to have a regular income. Um, mm. because at the end of the three years, I think it was something like I had five years in total to repay the money back. Yeah. But sometimes if you explain your situation, communicate, people can help you and put things into place. Um, and then I literally every single month when I got my salary, I think I had about 200 pounds that went straight into paying that off. Mm. Think yeah. about it, I budgeted that I didn't have that money and it went straight onto it. I didn't go, OK, on my first paycheck, I'm going to pay it all off. I'm not going to yeah. do it. I think I did it over a year, small increments. And um, that was the best thing that I did. But you have to reach out to people and talk about it and not feel ashamed because it's yeah. better to go through that when you've come out of university in an interest free bank account uh, mm-hmm. than to do that with a with a credit card that you get when you're a little bit older or, or whenever you get that. So um, I think that's really important information. Thank you so much for sharing that. When we come to spending as well, a lot of people don't have a lot of money or disposable income or are really tight on money in their 20s mm-hmm. because everything is so new. Where is the best places to shop when it comes to buying clothes, buying food? I mean, mm-hmm. I feel like you turn on the television and it's like M&S, Waitrose, and those are lovely places to shop, but they don't <laughs> always have deals on. Where would you recommend? Yeah, so that's a good one. Um, so obviously we spoke prior to the recording, we kind of talked about like, shopping like Vinted, eBay, Depop, those are great places at the moment. And also like, you know, your traditional Lidl and Aldi. But I'd go one step further and be smart with where, how you're shopping rather than where. So at the moment, well, I've always used top, um, cashback websites, but I think now more than ever, people need to take advantage of cashback websites. So these are websites like Quidco and Top Cashback that allow you to earn a percentage of your money back when shopping through certain retailers. So for example, 
I might visit Top Cashback because I want to do a shop on ASOS. They have ASOS listed as one of their retailers. I do my shop on ASOS as normal and I might be rewarded 5% of my money back just for doing my shopping on ASOS. So that is an incredible tool that loads of people need to utilize if you haven't heard of them before. And then now there's apps such as Cheddar and that again is also another cashback app. But what's clever about that is that it connects your bank and connects to your bank account. So if you're maybe shopping in Greg's, for example, Greg might be a listed retailer on their their app. You might get rewarded 2% cashback just for buying your Greg's sausage roll. So yeah, I think now, I think people are kind of stuck in their ways or have already changed the way they're shopping. I think how you then utilize that one step further. Um, so yeah, my tip will be to use cashback websites. I really like that. And I, I'm, yeah, we spoke about sort of selling clothes, buying clothes, mm. really good. Something that I've been doing on is I'm only allowed to spend money on clothes on Vinted when I've sold something as well. So oh, okay. Um, on the app and then I can only yeah. spend money that comes into my balance so that is clever it is helping a little bit um, when it comes to saving money what are some like basic saving strategies that you can recommend I know I spoke a little bit about um, how after university I put money aside and you can continue to mm-hmm. do that with your uh, wage when it comes in and you can put money into different pots uh, but what are some of the basic strategies that you can recommend good question I guess if you're maybe someone that doesn't have a huge amount of disposable income I'd recommend like downloading an app such as um money box or plum or chip um now those apps are great because what they allow you to do is to round up your spending so let's say for example you're maybe doing shopping in boots um and your shopping came up to three pound fifty the app will enable and um, will round your shop up to 40 to four pounds and put the extra 50 pence into a savings pot for you. So, again, allowing you to save very effortlessly, because I think when you're in your 20s, you associate saving money with a large amount of money, like buying a house deposit or having thousands of pounds where really we need to start with the small, easy hacks. And one of the, that hack is really, really handy. Um, I'd also recommend setting up like a direct debit. So loads of people always try and tell me that they save their money at the end of um, the month. And um, and they try and tell me they save it in the same bank account. I don't believe how that works. So what I always recommend if you're earning a stable income is to set a direct debit on the day you get paid for your savings amount to automatically go into your savings account because I think a lot of people again spend, 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 and then get to like the 29th and paydays on the 30th and you're left with £10. So again, having that budget in place that allows you to work out how much you can afford to save and then put that um into your bank account every day on payday is really, really handy. And also having it in a separate bank account because again, people tell me they save in that same account and it, it's not possible and also you get the added benefit of having interest added to your savings so that's free cash just for saving your money in a savings account a, a lot of people as well I know have used um like Monzo and you've got the money pots and yes like that. Mm-hmm. I really like that because you can name them so you if you're somebody that likes to get your nails and hair done you can put yeah <laughs> I definitely don't utilize these things and I need to look into them more personally um because I am that person that has my savings in the same bank account um but yeah definitely I think I think that's something I could be I could be utilizing is transferring it yeah. into account. and then you're less tempted to log into your bank exactly. account and see it and go oh I do fancy that this month rather yeah. than sort of waiting for the, the thing that you're actually saving for one of the things that in your 20s a lot of people want to do some don't which is absolutely fine is buy a house so mm-hmm. we're, we're looking at getting a mortgage 
I recently, so actually it's been a year in February since I bought my first house and um, I made a lot of sacrifices in the year that I Mm -hmm. led up to getting the first house to be able to save for it. And some people are happy to make those sacrifices. I was more than happy to sort of sacrifice going out as much, going um, Mm -hmm. for food and drinks, but some aren't. What would you say are some tips for people who are wanting to save for their first home so that they can realistically buy? Because I don't believe that anybody can't buy a house. There's a lot of people saying in their 20s, it's so difficult and they can't get onto the housing market. Mm. Little amounts do build up over time. So yeah, yeah tips for for sort of saving for a house that's a good question because I'm currently saving I live in London so it's gonna be a while until I get onto the property ladder which I'm okay with but I think one of my first tips is to work out a savings goal so if you know you need to save 10% or 5% of a property price that you have in mind have that goal in mind and work out backwards how much you need to save each month because again loads of people try and tell me they're saving for a property but don't know how much they need to save so having that um, figure in mind is really handy again have a separate bank account for this so whether that's um, your normal savings account or you can opt to looking at a lifetime ISA um, a lifetime ISA is great if you are a first-time buyer I've never bought a property before and um, how that bank account works is that if you put in for every one pound you put in the government will top it up by 25 percent so you can save up to four thousand pounds each tax year and the government will put an extra thousand pounds in which is insane no savings account will give you that kind of interest so yes there's obviously some caveats associated with the lifetime ISA which you need to look into but a lifetime ISA can be a great account for you and then I'd also I think as well if you're looking to buy a property you need to be flexible and open to compromise because like you said it's not impossible for people to get onto the property ladder I think people have tough targets to meet that they want to reach and I think for me for example like the rough average um, property in my area is around 600 grand now I'm a single female yes I might be able to save 600 um, 60,000 pounds as a 10% deposit but my salary isn't going to offer me a mortgage large enough so I think if you are looking to save, you have to be open to compromise as well. Maybe not necessarily living in the same place that you've grown up in all your life and things like that. Because again, that does that at least will bring the goal co- um, post a little bit closer to you rather than feeling like wherever you're looking to buy is completely out of reach. Absolutely. It takes time as well. And you have to be patient. Yeah. It's not going to be something that happens overnight. You don't go on to write mm. one day and then the next day. Yeah, you and, and it's also worth <laughs> bearing in mind when you're saving for a house you're not also just saving for the house you've got the legal fees that come along with it yeah you've mm-hmm. got furniture costs there's so much more to it that actually you don't want to not be realistic with yourself and then get to a point where you've moved in and you're like whoa we have no cash in the bank yeah that is the worst feeling or you can't you've bought a house which you want to renovate but you haven't got the cash now to renovate because you forgot that you need to pay a solicitor to do the things that they need to do or stamp duty there's so much that goes yeah so much (laughs) you you definitely have to do the research on it before you commit to something um Mm. you know exactly how much you you have to play with and what sort of set your expectation as well People in their 20s don't tend to think about investing their money as much because Mm. like they might be saving for a house or you might have children and you have lots to spend money on. But I've actually had some friends recently who have had some inheritance money or they've been given lump sums of money. And 
I don't think there's enough education around how we can spend that money wisely. I've started investing in property myself over the last few years. And it seems scary, you know, it, it seems like something that only people do who are, you know, big bankers or yeah, yeah. Lot, if you have a lot, a lot of money. But mm-hmm. there's small things you can do to invest your money on a daily basis um, or buying property, which is an asset. And actually, to be fair, even if you're buying a house, um, just your own house, that itself is an investment. It's still an yeah. asset that you own, which can um, go up or down. So what sort of investments can you be doing maybe that are smaller, that are going to help you mm. to build up more of an income, whether that be passive or not? Yeah, that's a good question. I think if you're a real beginner in, in, in investing and you don't know where to start up, I would say look at the, the apps that allow you to invest um, and they'll do it for you. So there's apps on the market now like Wealthify, Plum, Nutmeg, um, Shares, and all of those apps now allow you to invest as little as £1, which is incredible. So when people tell me they don't have any money to invest, I'm like, do you have a spare £5? And like, yeah, I normally spend it on coffee. I'm like, well, exactly. So rather than maybe spending that on your coffee, you can maybe look to invest in the stock market. Obviously, the larger the sum, the better, but you can start with as little as that and it's not an issue. And I think people also, again, associate investing with having to have thousands of pounds um, free or spare. Um, and that isn't necessarily the case. And these apps now allow you to invest in the stock market. Again, for you, they'll kind of look at what your risk appetite is on a level of one to five. So you might, level one might be not very risky at all. Level five might be really risky and they'll create an investment portfolio for you. So now we're in this era where you don't necessarily need to invest, don't need to research a whole lot because there's now apps that will do it for you. But also there's routes that you can kind of do it down yourself, but that's a whole other topic. How, how do you know when to trust an app? Because there's so many people recommend mm-hmm. do this and I see like fake emails and things come through to yeah me. I know if I can trust an app to give my money to it yes that's a good question really good question I, so when you come across an app now especially if you're based in the UK you need to make sure that any app that has approached you or you're looking to put your money in is regulated by the financial conduct authority also known as the FCA if they don't have that that regulation at the bottom of their website every financial institution has to have that regulation to be approved by the and um, to, to be able to bank basically that it has to be stated there so if they don't have that regulation stay clear that goes for the same with someone offering to invest the money for you if they don't have an fca regulation or they're not a qualified financial advisor or financial advisor financial advisor or financial planner stay clear from them again because it, you know money we work so hard for money the last thing you want to do is be scammed for it and for it so um yeah definitely check fca regulation and every um financial institution in the uk needs to be governed by that and approved by them yeah i mean that's that's perfect advice you you shouldn't feel scared to invest your money but make sure you do the research before to find out yeah that it is legitimate before you start Mm -hmm. handing over small amounts of money at a time and then you know you can yes as well i have absolutely loved talking about all the things that we've gone through I think that you are so knowledgeable and I really like the fact that you have grown this so organically and your community as well how can people find you I I know that you have your Instagram what can we learn more from you because I know that you've got so much more to give oh thank you it was really nice chatting to you this afternoon um I am at all things money underscore across our Instagram 
TikTok, Twitter, but I'm mainly on Instagram. Check out the content on there because everything everywhere else is a bit skew if. Um, and then we also have our own podcast, which is the All Things Money podcast. And um, we also have a range of ebooks as well that we sell from like understand your taxes to learn how to invest in the stock market on our website, which is www.allthingsmoney.com. Um, and what you can find is literally every topic you want to know about when it comes to your finances, literally from budgeting to saving to taxes, mortgages, credit cards, um, debt, everything like that, um, I kind of have you covered. I When I was looking on your podcast, I, I saw something that actually really stood out and it was financial anxiety. And I felt like yes. that was worth mentioning that, that you talk about and something that a lot of people in their 20s can probably relate to that yeah. mm-hmm. overwhelm, not knowing what they're talking about because they haven't been educated um, and so the amount of advice that you give for free is is absolutely incredible. And and w- what's happening next for you? Is there anything like where, where do you see your business going? Oh, everyone asks me this question. And the honest answer, I don't know. I'm honestly just riding this wave. Um, and I've worked with some incredible clients recently. So hopefully work with more corporates, maybe more news things. Um, who knows? Honestly, who knows? <laughs> I know it's it's so difficult isn't it and the best thing I think you can do is just take it day by day and yeah keep doing what you're doing and I know that you're giving so much value to so many people so absolutely go and give a follow to you on Instagram for anybody who's listening and um, even if it's just sort of like subconsciously in the background every yeah. little things over time is really helpful and it can, mm. it can help to build your confidence around money and talking about money as well so thank yeah. you so much for being on the podcast today I'll link all of your socials below as well so people can check you out um but I've really enjoyed chatting with you oh no thank you so much for having me and I love chatting about money so it was a pleasure to talk about it on the podcast today <laughs>